Like Jay-Z. One take, Jay-Z. <laughs> the trouble, the trouble, the, tr- the, 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 the trouble. Trouble. It's the shit we get ourselves into. <laughs> You're moving along. Everything's going fine. Then you make a bad decision or a bunch of bad decisions and you find yourself in it. And some of us are more prone to trouble than others. I'm just saying. When I was young, we would flip quarters at the lunch table in high school in Detroit. Take me for example. I'm no stranger to trouble and I'm really willing to put it all out there. For a while now, I've been touring the country telling crowds of perfect strangers about the shit I've gotten myself into. At work, we had 20,000 in 20s in the vault to refill the ATM, and we kept 30,000 in hundreds. There's the time I stole money from my job at a grocery store bank. I was the manager. I could just borrow a little, hit a lick, went a little, put it back the next day. It was just a harmless thought. I took the whole $50,000. See, I got this problematic gambling addiction, and it'll always be with me. It's in check now, but I hit rock bottom when I walked out of that bank with $50,000. The plan is, you know, if you win, leave, but you feel invincible with $10,000 in your underwear. Then I get a call from work. I let it go to voicemail. That call meant I could be in some serious trouble. I, I'm down to 30, then to 20, then to 10. I noticed there's this old man staring at me from one of the other tables, shaking his head. I lost it all. It was bad. I confessed. I pled guilty. I was convicted. I got a felony for embezzlement on my record. I luckily only got probation for five years, and I'm done paying my debt to society. But that whole situation started out this live storytelling thing for me, and I've been doing that for a while now, and I love it. Now, I believe the best stories are the ones about people's struggles, failures, and mistakes. Those stories are the most interesting ones, And I don't think there's enough of those stories out there. Everyone's putting out their selfie smiles and photos of rum drinks next to their ugly toes on the beach. Those things are boring as hell. From WBZ Chicago, this is The Trouble with Shannon Case. I'm Shannon Case. (laughs) Trouble, man. So I've done plenty of talking about my own troubles but I want to talk to other people about theirs. So this is a show where I get to do that and talk to people who have really found themselves in a big old mess. And for this episode, we got a real doozy. I am KC and I am the greatest, whether you want me to believe something else or not. And KC, she's going to lay it all out there. I have a story to tell. I have a truth to tell about decisions about low self-esteem. Casey Wilborn Snap used to work for Detroit Public Schools. She was this dynamic principal that ended up getting into some serious trouble. 
Well, she was the first domino to fall in the Detroit school bribery scandal. And she made a lot of headlines. Her name is Kenyatta Wilburn-Snap. High school principal Kenyatta Wilburn-Snap. Kenyatta Casey Wilburn-Snap in the white suit here was at one time a star. But despite all that, Casey is still pretty outspoken. At least she was with me. I broke America's law. And so I accept that I broke it. But I'm not going to be stuck. I'm not going to, you know, come out of here and be afraid to to apply or call and say, hey, I am Casey Wilborn. Before she became the face of a scandal, Casey was a rising star in Detroit public education. She built a reputation as a turnaround artist in some of the city's toughest high schools. Standing only four foot eleven, this fierce, brilliant, effective young principal was out to change the system, help the kids. And she made things happen. But then she made some bad decisions and got sent to prison. Just let me know whenever you're ready. I'm ready. I spoke with KC before she started serving time. Now, KC's story is complicated. She's got one of those dramatic rise and fall stories. And we're going to get into all that. But first, I wanted to hear about the rise. So I sat down with KC and we started at the beginning, back when she was just a kid. Okay. Take me back to your earliest memories. My earliest memories. My earliest memories involved the two queens of my life, my maternal and my paternal grandmother. My mom and dad were just mere actors, but the influencers were my grandmothers, right? And so we were poor, but we really didn't know we were poor. <laughs> and and that's that's the the unique aspect of growing up black in Detroit during that time, right? You know, you were poor, but Christmas was like a mug. What I remember, my fondest memories was watching how my grandmothers hustled. Casey's paternal grandmother, Mary Lou, was a gambler. She ran like an after hours. So on Friday nights, you go over to Mary Lou's house and it was like Lackawanna Blues. You had chicken frying, barbecue, cards playing, money on the table, loud music, people coming in and out all year long. And her maternal grandmother had her own side hustle. Before there was a blockbuster, you could go to my grandmother and she had the, you know, the (laughs) beta and the VCRs lined up together making movies and renting them out. So it was seeing how people were industrious and entrepreneurs and how this subculture of of being black and having what I call mattress money occurred. But living in that house could be bad, real bad. Casey says there was abuse and she felt like no one looked out for. I, I would say if I had to sum up my life, it's been me against the world for real. She learned to be industrious from her grandmother's. And she was smart, a gifted student. She started high school at 12 years old. And by the age of 16, she was off to college. 
She left Detroit for Spelman, an historically black all-female college in Atlanta, Georgia, where she majored in education. She worked full-time hours at a fast food restaurant to help put herself through school. College student, under 18, 40 hours a week. I learned what hard work was. I learned what the cycle of poverty looked like. And I became homeless. So I lived in my car. What was your mindset during that time, sleeping in your car, going from place to place? I was like, this is fucked up. Casey graduated from Spelman with decent grades, but her plans for the future were unclear. Then, a week after graduation, she says there was an accident at work, a bad one that caused severe burns on her body. She spent several weeks in the hospital, followed by months of painful therapy for her burns. It was a process for healing, but it was torture, right? It's, it's a pain that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. During her treatment, she was moved from Atlanta back to Detroit, back to her mother and stepfather, where she did not want to be. But all of this helped KC gain focus, and she saw a career in education as a way of helping her out of a really bad place. I'm a warrior. Warriors don't just do one thing. Warriors are not idle. And they don't accept defeat, even in the midst of trouble. By the time KC turned 22, she had her master's degree in education administration at Wayne State University. And she also gave birth to her son. And then she began working for the Detroit Public Schools. KC started as a teacher at a middle school. She liked her job. She was a tough teacher, effective with the students. But KC wanted to become a principal. She applied for the assistant principal position at Jared W. Finney High School on the east side of Detroit. The school was off the hook. First day. First day, it was different for me, you know. Kids were literally being warehoused. It was overrun by gang members. The kids were not accustomed to someone saying, get to class. And I mean, like, no, get to class, like right now. It doesn't matter if you're on the basketball team or the football team. You have to get to class. During Casey's first school year as an assistant principal at Finney, her boss, the head principal, tried to break up a fight between students. He got his teeth knocked out. While he recovered, Casey took over the school. In April 2007, there was another big fight. An older kid showed up at Finney to confront a younger student. The other part about Finney was that if you fight one of us, you fight all of us. And so a mob came, and you could hear them. It was like... That's how they were running, chasing the guys. You could hear it above you on the second floor. When I got the call for the cold red, all I had was a bat that my son had left in my office the day before. And I'm like, all right. So I get the bat, and I start running behind the mob, And I'm chasing it, and they're running. This guy is getting Timberland up. I mean, they they are stomping him. And when I get there, he's on the ground. I pulled him to me, and he died. How old was he? He was about 20 years old. You remember his name? I don't. I don't remember his name. 
you know, with so many incidents. You remember the events. You remember what you did to help, but you don't remember every day. So, but he died. Walking around that school, KC continued carrying that bat, which she nicknamed the Equalizer. She began to get a reputation. Students didn't mess with her. By March 2009, the Detroit public schools were in big financial trouble. The governor of Michigan appointed an emergency financial manager who closed down 29 schools in his first 10 months. Finney was one of them, and KC was out of a job. Good evening, and thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Stephen Clark. And I'm Diana Lewis. The girl is in critical condition, and there's concern others could get hurt because of what's happening at Denby High School. Edwin C. Denby was then considered the worst performing high school in Detroit. In the summer of 2009, a student was shot near the school. Many parents very upset tonight. They believe the district should be doing something to stop the violence. The district decided that Denby needed a new principal. The then chief academic officer of DPS, Barbara Bird Bennett, began looking for candidates. You may have heard of Bennett. After working for the Detroit Public Schools, she became the CEO of Chicago Public Schools. And then she was sentenced to prison for bribery and corruption. But back in 2009, Bennett heard of a tough little principal that carried a baseball bat. And she invited Casey to her office for an interview. Literally, I think she kind of like sat me on her knee. I'm <laughs> saying it was real weird. And she could not believe that I was the person that they were saying, this is the one you need to go over to Denby. She said, can you handle it? I was like, absolutely, I can handle it. So I started next day. When I walk the building, I find a golf cart. I get in the golf cart, I'm in the community. I see kids with blue bandanas, red bandanas, you know, and I'm like, hey, what's your name? I'm so-and-so-and-so. The new principal over here, Denby. What you know about that? Oh, dog, look, this, she says she the new... I said, you, do you go to Denby? So I was identifying potential players. I got a call. What are you doing? I said, I'm in the community. I'm working. Where are you working? I said, I'm, in, I'm working in the community. I can't address what's happening in the school until I address the school community first. You got to know who you're teaching. Casey initiates really strict policies at Denby. She builds a fence around the school. She beefs up security, and she drives violent gangs out. On Wednesdays, KC puts on a ROTC military uniform with two patches across her chest that say, Principal Wilborn. And she still carries the equalizer. East Side High was out of control, and then Joe Clark took over. KC is nicknamed the female Joe Clark after the legendary principal who turned around one of New Jersey's toughest inner-city schools in the 80s. Clark is played by Morgan Freeman in the movie Lean On Me. It's a good movie. I've seen it like a thousand times. Like KC, Clark also carried the bat. They called him crazy. They used to call me crazy, Joe, but now they can call me Batman. But Joe Clark was only crazy about one thing, the kids he cared about. You mess up just once, and you're out of here. During Casey's years at Denby, there are other violent incidents. 
But with KC in charge, people began noticing a reduction in violence. KC becomes known as a turnaround specialist and starts being noticed by news outlets. Here she is on NPR. She is just constantly grilling guys about gangs, their tattoos, their fights. The last beef, who was that? Six miles, seven miles. Okay. What what yep. gang was that? And here she is being interviewed by Detroit talk station WJR. Denby had the reputation of being Detroit's worst high school. That is changing. Yes, absolutely, and it's going to continue to change. We consider ourselves to be the renaissance of the east side. Miss Kenyetta Wilburn, principal of Detroit's Denby High School. More proof, ladies and gentlemen. Speak softly. Carry a big stick. Casey becomes a model of success and hope in urban education. But the only problem is some of the things she's doing weren't exactly legal. Coming up next on The Trouble, Casey and I get into what happened, how everything unraveled, and why she went to prison. The bribes were paid in the forms of cash, gift cards, and checks, sometimes to third parties or businesses owned by the principals. Casey Wilborn was a rising star in the Detroit public schools, a revered principal that won respect from parents, students, teachers, and her bosses. But in June 2016, she was sentenced to prison for taking kickbacks and bribes from school vendors. We're going to get into that now. So a school vendor is a company or an individual that provides goods and services or programs to a public school. In order for a vendor to get paid, they need a contract. And the one who can get the vendor that contract and get them in on that sweet deal of state and federal money is the principal. So naturally, vendors are real eager to get into a special relationship with principals. And that's where the illegal kickbacks and bribes come in. Principals are expected to make miracles happen with no resources. Go clean up that school. Make sure that we're not in the news. We don't want any fighting going on in there. But what are you going to give me to help me do this? Mm -hmm. So then when I decide that I'm going to be resourceful, it places me on a path that compromises my integrity. People start coming to you for favors? No, that's not how it is. You become principal. The word gets out. It's like a fire call. So now all of a sudden, I'm being met with all of these different people who want to do business. Do business. They want to do business. Everybody wants to do business. Everybody has a program. Everybody has a program that will help kids. Here's what happened. Over the summer vacation, before Casey started at Denby, she didn't have a job. An associate asked her if she wanted to do some part-time work for his tutoring program, a school vendor which was called Making a Difference Every Day. M-A-D-E. So KC worked at MAID, tutoring kids over the summer. Then KC became principal at Denby. That same company was placed at Denby as a tutoring program. What is re revealed to me, though, is that the company that I think is, is this guy's, this associate's of mine, it's not his company. It belongs to the lady that I'm, I'm indicted with. The lady is Glennis Thornton, the then owner of MAID. Casey and Glennis had already met each other before this kickback went down. I'm taking paperwork 
to her office. She says, hey, do you remember me? And I said, yes. How are you? This is your company. She said, yes. Did the guy, did he tell you something different? I was like, don't worry about it. She said, did he ever pay you? I said, yes, thank you so much because it really helped me through the summer. She said, well, what was the last thing that he gave you? I think it was maybe $750. She said, oh, no, that's not what he was supposed to give you. She called her assistant. Write Miss Wilborn her check. It's a check for like $5,000. So $5,000 in my hands at 32 years old 33 with a son that's in private school it's like wow okay I'm going to be sure to make sure all of your paperwork is correct thank you she was like I, this is how I roll right here you know all those levels did you recognize it as wrong today I recognize it as being wrong but before I didn't I thought that's how business was done. That's how you get things done in this city. Everybody has a contract. Everybody has a program. Everybody wants something. I mean, they they hound you. They hound you. It's constant. And if you say no, it's just a way for them to come back 12 other ways to ask the same question. It's not just this particular lady that's in the indictment with me. That's not it. It's multiple people. Those are just folks that weren't weren't fat enough fish for the government to decide that that's what we're going to go after everybody. Because if you did, you would have to implode a whole system. It's not good, right? A position with some power, people buying special treatment. But here's where Casey's story gets complicated. If she was just taking the money and spending it on herself, then that would be a pretty cut and dry case of corruption. But there's another part to it. KC spends a good portion of the kickback money on the kids and the staff at the school. What happens is you find yourself in need of funding to do stuff. And if it's anything that doesn't relate to math, reading or science, it's denied by the district. And I wanted to do unconventional things in the school and there were no funds to do it. And and going back to the way I saw Granny do it, I decided that, hey, this no can't be an absolute no. It has to be something else. Did you stop asking at some point? Absolutely. And I just started doing. I want to talk about Detroit. It's coming around. We got a pretty nice downtown and midtown is looking pretty good these days. You can get yourself some craft beer and lattes with that pretty leaf design on it. But the image you probably have in your head of our fair city is a whole lot of abandoned buildings. We've got a lot of those, too, especially on the east side. Abandoned homes around Denby High School were a problem. Half of the Denby students walked to school. And at 730 in the morning in Detroit, in winter, it's dark. And what kids are walking past are these scary empty houses with their doors wide open. And they've heard stories of people trying to drag students inside. To get to and from school, my students have almost become numb. The blight of the city has become normal to them. This is KC being featured on Detroit Public TV in 2012. We need to stand up and do something about the situation in the community. Make it better. And so I said, man, I I have to do something about this. So I decided to contact the city first 
they transfer you to this number or that number and another number. So finally, I was like, you know, I'm boarding up homes. Kids just showed up. I went to like McDonald's, ordered like a hundred of those little biscuits with sausage things on it. And we started to board up homes. We started that. That wasn't the city of Detroit. That was Casey Wilborn and Demby that started that. I want to bring in now Kenyatta Wilborn to our discussion. She is the principal of Denby High School. We are going to begin boarding up the homes ourselves. Wait, you're going. Wait, you're going to take a, a group of volunteers and you're going to start boarding up the homes that are that are around Denby. Yes. Tell we us. We will a- begin to on Sunday at four o'clock. And how did Casey pay for all that? Kickbacks. Kickbacks. Because not only did I pay for the supplies. I can't do a PO for McDonald's, man. And people that came out, I'm quick to say, here, here's something to put in your pocket. How many homes? 32. I boarded up 32 homes as a principal. Maybe I should send the city a bill. Maybe that would pay my restitution. With the kickback money and some of her own money, Casey paid for other things at the school. In her first year at Denby, she took 400 female students to see the movie Precious. She paid for senior skiing trips. She paid for funerals of students that died. And she helped out the basketball team. My soul wanted me to help them. And I can't call my boss and say, hey, we got to get them some uni-. Nobody's going to say, okay, Casey, let's make it happen. First of all, they're going to say it's not my business. Second of all, they're going to say it's no budget. Third of all, it doesn't align with reading, math, or science. But it does. It impacts the affect of a kid, their confidence. So my first call is, we're going to get them some shoes. We're going to get them some uniform. Hey, so-and-so-and-so, listen, I I need, I really want to get these kids some shoes. How much is it going to cost? I don't know. Let me look it up, and I'll get back to you. I looked it up. It's going to be about $1,500. Come get the money. This is a vendor. Vendor. What was your... Obligation for the fifteen hundred dollars. Well, you're already doing business with me, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to remember that I asked you for that favor, and you're going to come back around again, and I'm going to feel now obligated that when it's time to open up bids for contracts, that because you helped me, that I'm going to make sure that you have an opportunity to participate, because I'm going to use you again too, and you're going to use me again. It's a reliance on the vendor. It's a reliance, and because it's a hand to hand. No matter what it's used for, it went into my hands. You dig what I'm saying? And because now it feels like you're sneaking, then all of a sudden you know that it's not all the way above board. How would the pass off be of the money? At first it was a check. And then it was advised that that's not a good way to do a, a, a handoff. You know, it, it needs to be cash. In my mind, none the wiser. It didn't matter to me. I just wanted the money. Did you guys meet somewhere? It depends depend on where. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes I go to the bank or sometimes I didn't. It wasn't orchestrated where, you know, I'm going to drop it in a toilet and you come back and pick. It wasn't that. So, you know, it's, it's being smart and, and dumb at the same time. It's being smart and dumb at the same time. The whole time Casey's doing things to improve the school, she's getting further entangled with the vendors. She's doing good. She's on TV. But the more good she does, the more she gets dragged into trouble. 
and it's about to get worse. In September 2011, the governor of Michigan created the Educational Achievement Authority to take over 15 failing Detroit public schools. KC applied for a job with the EAA in March 2012. She impressed the interviewer so much that the person wrote, Hire Her Today, in capital letters on the top of her evaluation. Denby High School was brought into the EAA. Casey was given a $130,000 salary and a $25,000 signing bonus. That's um, an 11th grade class. And In 2012, Michigan Radio followed KC around Denby. KC Wilborn has been the principal at Denby for four years. She says the EAA has meant more autonomy for her and other school administrators. This year, when we want something, if we have the funds, funds in our budget, we're able to get it paid for in less than 30 days, which is great when you're working with vendors who are leery about doing business in Detroit. To save money, the Educational Achievement Authority empowered each principal to directly choose vendors for their schools. So on top of the six-figure salary, Casey is working with even more vendors with even more government money available. She's also got some undeclared income that she's collecting from vendors for ghostwriting their grant application. So Casey's got all this money swirling around her. And there's plenty of people around her who can use some of it, both at Denby and then at Mumford High School, where she became a principal in April 2013. It would be nothing new for me to have, you know, $1,000 in my drawer. $2,000 $2,000 in my drawer. And, and while it seems like a lot of money, you get enough I needs in a day or in a week, it goes really fast. And that's kids that need to get home, kids that want to go to Burger King, kids that need a haircut. You know, you become everything for kids so and their families. It was that level of need, was, level was, of need of small transactions, small a haircut, tra- small a trans- burger. Burger. I'm hungry. Did you enjoy the feeling of sneaking? Because I, I must say with myself. Yes. Because I snuck things and I had certain things. Sure. It's a different high. I mean, it's not necessarily a happy feeling, but it's knowing that I could get caught. But then when I make it through it, I feel like a sense of, and that worked out for me. But your situation is totally different. Was it any feeling? The feeling was... One that made me feel the world was on my shoulders because it was always somebody with with something. With need. With a need, right? I'm talking about lights and gas being cut on, man. I'm talking about walking one block over to see how a kid is doing. And they have this big fat orange extension cord because they're stealing electricity. I'm just this heartless person that I don't care. I'm, I'm trying to scheme all day and I'm getting some kind of high from that. Hell no. I don't even want to be the person that, that people are coming to me. But it keeps happening. And it's not just kids. It's staff members. It's people that my husband just beat me and I, I don't have any place for me and my three kids to go. I'm supposed to call my superintendent and say that. And tell them, hey, look, uh, this just happened. She, Her husband beat the hell out of her, and uh, she can't go back home. Teachers don't make enough money. So she's expended her paycheck. She doesn't have that money to go stay in a hotel. 
Did you ever tell anyone no? Um, if I did, I can't remember. I don't think I'm going to do this again, guys. <laughs> Actually. And I'm a warrior. Warriors aren't. Warriors don't. Don't show this kind of emotion. Things spiraled out of control for me. I was so busy making things happen all over the place. The recipients, did they ever have questions on where money came from or? No, absolutely not. You know, kids anyway don't care. As long as they get the meal, they don't care where it came from. How about yourself? Sure. You have an availability to be able to to get money when needed. Sure. Did you benefit yourself? I did. I did. You know, it's a residual income, if you will. KC describes herself as a Robin Hood, taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. But she admits that she kept some of it. She used money to fill up her car. She went on trips. She went to Disney World. And if you think about where KC came from, she's kind of made it now. She's got this nice house. She wears really nice clothes. But there's this one purchase, which KC insists, by the way, did not come from a vendor that got her the most attention. <laughs> it's always something flashy that gets you caught. <laughs> People talk about my Maserati. Anybody that works in education should be able to afford a Maserati, whether they are a teacher or principal. Police officers, Maserati. People who work in the military, Maserati. Doctors, Maserati. Pastors, you know they're driving Maseratis. Before and after class, KC is acting like security detail, driving around the school in a red Maserati with a personalized license plate that says Gucci One on it. For KC and I growing up in Detroit in the 80s, there was this other guy that liked Maseratis, too. You think about Maserati, we both Detroiters. Maserati when you Rick. Think of Detroit, when you think of Maserati, Maserati Rick. Rick just automatically hits you And so, <laughs> am I supposed to be mad that that was my role model versus Jesse Jackson? I'm from Detroit. It's the culture. You grew up in the same thing. Maserati Rick, rap music. Maserati Rick was this flashy crack kingpin in Detroit who was shot and killed in 1989. He was buried in a $16,000 silver coffin shaped like a Mercedes Benz. While I was learning math and, and reading and, and, and all of those things, Maserati Rick was there. I mean, that was what making it meant. So I get money. I get this nice bonus. And I say, shoot, what the heck? I remember being a little girl and I was like, buy me a Maserati. And I let kids drive it. You let kids drive Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You going to prom? Let me see your report card. You Here let you a kid drive it? Absolutely. To prom? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I got a text message. I'm going to prom and I don't have a car. And I was, and I, what's your report? What'd you get on your report card? Yes. Don't tear up my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Most every news article about KC after the indictment mentions the car. Now, KC wouldn't say that buying the car was a bad decision. She doesn't regret it at all. But it's possible, and this is a total guess here, 
that the Maserati was at least part of what might have tipped off the FBI, that Principal Wilborn was a person to look into. Whatever it was, Casey Wilborn, the rising star in education, the warrior, is about to get taken down. Contrary to opinions about me, I'm a good person who made bad decisions. But we all make bad decisions. Some of us are caught, some of us are not. That's next, after the break. By 2014, Casey Wilborn's kickback scheme was unraveling. And the self-proclaimed Robin Hood of Detroit Public Schools' run was about to come to an abrupt end. It's in slow motion, man. It is the coldest day in November that I've ever experienced in my life. She'd gone to a professional development course at a hotel after work. And as she's leaving, she gets a call on her cell phone. Hello? The lady says, may I speak to Casey? I said, this is she. She said, I'm with the FBI. We have a warrant. We're at your home. She said, "Uh, do you want us to wait for you or go in? I said, go in. When I get there, it's like TV. And you could see the sirens, the lights going. They're asking me questions about, you know, this, that, and the other. uh, Receiving kickbacks. And I can't think. Questions about, I'm surprised she doesn't have any drugs here. I don't use drugs, man. And that moved into the longest night of my life. And I was like, I'm going to commit suicide. That night. That's when you. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I was going to send my son to school. And I was going to blow my brains out. But I was scared. Was it only your fear that that saved you? Yes. From doing that? It was only the fear. It was only the fear of me shooting and it not work. It wouldn't be instant. The word gets out. And Casey's face is now all over the news in a different way than it had been in the past. Feds are investigating yet another public corruption case, this time involving Detroit Public Schools and the... Her name is Kenyetta Wilburn-Snap, said to have walked the halls of Mumford High School as principal, carrying an aluminum ball bag to keep order. Yeah, Maserati, like, she just walked around like there was no nothing. She ain't had no worries. KC resigned from her job. She was indicted in July 2015. She pled guilty to taking $58,000 in kickbacks and was ordered to pay over $84,000 in restitution. 20 months after her home was raided, KC was sentenced. By then, man, when you've had your ass kicked for, for almost two years by the press, I was looking forward to the sentence. And I'm looking forward to going to prison. Because when it's over, it's over. I don't owe anybody anything after that. Because we're supposed to pay our debts to society, right? That's what they say. What was the sentence? One year and a day. One year and one day. For a reduced sentence, KC cooperated with the prosecutors describing the loopholes in the Detroit Public Schools vendor systems. It turns out that KC was just the beginning. Fourteen other Detroit principals were charged in an embezzlement scheme similar to KC's, but their cases centered around one big fish vendor named Norman Shy who was charged with taking $2.7 million in state money in exchange for school supplies that were never delivered. Those principal kickbacks 
came to a total of a million dollars. And in the end, the prosecutors today credit her with 14 guilty pleas as a result of the prosecution on her. A betrayal to say the least for Detroit school students, parents, teachers, and other faculty. A public school system already on the brink of collapse is dealt another devastating blow. In Detroit, Tuesday, DPS has crumbling buildings, teacher strikes, and a huge financial deficit, which for 2015 was almost $1.7 billion, with a B, billion. So the principal kickback scandal helped kick Detroit public schools when it was down. I cannot overstate the outrage that I feel about the conduct uh, that these DPS employees engaged Why in. Why would they take money that's supposed to be going for our children? Another slap in the face. You know, for us parents that's trusting the people over our school systems. Carol weighed in, she says, and people wonder why the school system is so messed up. You can keep pouring money into it, but until you remove the corruption, the schools and the students will suffer. Casey became a poster child for what went wrong with the DPS. Even though the bribes we're talking about are pretty small compared to a $1.7 billion deficit. But you understand the outrage? She was defrauding taxpayers taking taxpayer money that was intended to go to the vendors to help the schools. And her trouble hurt a school system that really couldn't afford any more trouble. KC became a symbol that people could point at, saying that's why we shouldn't give any more money to public schools. But KC did make things happen. And many of the other indicted principals were accused of spending their kickback money on the communities they loved. And there were a lot of parents and teachers that loved their accused principals, despite the bribery. At Casey's trial, people showed up to testify on her behalf. Even at her sentencing, Casey's judge commended her for some of the things she did, like paying for the funeral of a student who was shot to death at her school. But he also said she stole this money. And he had to send a message. The judge allowed Casey's sentence to be delayed so she could see her own son go to prom and graduate from high school. His senior year was really marred by me. But the other part to that was he said, you know, Mom, I've seen you work and I'm very proud to be your son. This from a kid who's taking the back seat to my career and everybody else without complaint. I remember one day I was so busy and I was so involved in me, in my life, in my world. As a principal, I ran over my son's foot in the Maserati. And instead of me showing compassion, I cursed him out. And my son sat with that all day. I didn't like me. I didn't like anything about me. I overcompensated. I had to help people. I had to be the best. But when all of that was gone, I realized that none of that was real anyway. What was real was what I had to look at in the mirror and unpack and face. And it was cathartic and it was scary. And it's amazing the way life works is because if you don't get the lesson the first time, it'll come back around. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the former president of the Detroit Teachers Union heard about Casey's scandal, he said, you could have knocked me down with a broken feather. Her destiny was, I hate to say sky's the limit, 
but I envisioned her as a superintendent or ultimately as U.S. Secretary of Education. She's just that gifted of an educator. KC is obviously talented. And I don't know if you notice, but KC is intense. Sitting across from her, I can see why she's an effective principal. She's a hell of a speaker. She has this intense way of looking you straight in your eyes. When she tells you she's a warrior and that she's the greatest, you believe her. I got to thinking about the career Casey had before that phone call from the FBI. Where she came from, how she rose, and now where she's headed. I wondered if she thought all that good she did to try to turn around these schools, if any of it could have been done differently. As the principal in your position, do you think you would have been able to make those changes that you needed to make if you were totally clean? No, I would not have been. I changed lives. There were kids that, that really needed and there were no resources for me to above board provide for them. You can't turn a blind eye and ride in on your white horse to save. You can't be missionary about this work. I don't shy away from my actions, but what I struggle with is that even now, there's a forgotten other because what those children experience, white folks in America don't experience. All of these principles that happen to be black, they just took all of this money. That's what we were doing? Really? Don't pretend like Casey Wilborn fucked up education in the city of Detroit. That's not what happened. Even though every time something comes up about the city of Detroit and education, my face is plastered all over. I wish I could get a royalty. I wish I could get a kickback from that. Thank you for talking to me, Casey. It's my pleasure. Won't happen again. It's been a year and a half since I first spoke with Casey Wilborn, just two weeks before she went to prison. She was sentenced to a year and a day, but was released after about nine months. She's currently on probation, and she's still paying back the money she pocketed. Now that Casey's out, she says she's working in the nonprofit sector, and she wants to get into public speaking. She says she wants to focus her voice on prison reform and women's issues. The Trouble is a production of WBZ Chicago. I'm Shannon Kaysen. The producer is Colin McNulty. Additional production by Joe Dassault. The executive producers were Ben Calhoun, Joe Meyer, and Brendan Benazak. That's a lot of executive producing going on. Thanks to my friends over at The Moth. The live clips you heard at the top of the show were from this story I tell on The Moth about gambling addiction. It's called It's Like Borrowing. Go listen to it. Special thanks to producers Candace Mattel-Khan and James Edwards, and a whole mess of people who helped put this season of The Trouble together, including my folks over at Snap Judgment. We're coming out with a whole season of these things. They'll all pretty much be different from each other. And we're looking for other stories of people getting themselves into trouble. And I want to talk to you. 
get in touch. We're at the Trouble Pod on Twitter, or you can shoot us a note at thetroublepod at gmail.com. Tell me some trouble you got yourself into. Like I say, those are the best stories. Subscribe to The Trouble on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these things, and please leave a review. It helps us out a lot. And one more thing, try to stay out of it. Yes, don't tear up my shit. <laughs> <laughs>